The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is Dr. Francisco Contreras, who is talking about something many of you have dealt with, have confided in me, and told me your own personal struggles and journey. Well, Dr. Contreras serves as director, president, and chairman of Oasis of Oak Hospital. He's a distinguished surgical oncologist and is renowned for combining conventional, wait for it, alternative medical treatments with emotional and spiritual support to provide patients with the most positive treatment experience possible. He has authored numerous books concerning integrative therapy, cancer and heart disease prevention, and chronic illness, including The Hope of Living Cancer-Free, The Hope of Living Long and Well, Beating Cancer, and Dismantling Cancer. His newest book, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer, was released in October 2020. He is active in the Cancer Control Society. He's addressed governmental organizations. Can't wait to hear how that went, including the Georgia House of Representatives Health Policy Task Force and the Japanese Medical Association. Welcome to the show, Dr. Contreras. We are so honored to have you here. So many people struggle today with a cancer diagnosis. There's a lot of fear. There's a sense of hopelessness. There's a sense that your life is coming to an end. How did you get into the world as a surgical oncologist of combining conventional and alternative treatments together? Well, thank you very much. First, I'm I'm honored to be in your program. And I I really hope that we can provide some uh, inspirational information to your your audience. Yes. Um, I wanted to be a doctor since, since probably when I was 12 or something, and I always wanted to, to be a surgeon. My father is a doctor, he's an oncologist, and he began working uh, holistically in the late 50s, early 60s. So I was kind of born into it. Uh, later on until in the 60s, he was then, he started to look into alternatives because a patient uh, from San Diego that was participating in a clinical trial in Canada brought back uh, this medication uh, and nobody in, in, in the States wanted to give it to her. And an oncologist that knew my father told the patient to come and see him and that maybe in Mexico, he would have no problem giving it to her. And lo and behold, uh, she, this patient just started getting better and better when, when her prognosis was very poor. And, and so my father started using alternative and holistic medicine again, uh, you know, uh, six, uh, five, almost 60 years ago. And uh, so I was kind of born into it, but I, I went through my classical uh, uh, studies. I did uh, pre-med in the States, uh, medical school in Mexico, and I did my surgical training in Austria, in Vienna. But uh, I, I had decided early on that I wanted to come back and, and work with, with my father. So, wow. um, so we, are, we are very vested and very, um, very uh, committed to provide hope to our patients, because one that's one of the most devastating things. It you is. Know, today, I, I had a call from a cardiologist who was just a very uh, uh, distraught, angry, and disappointed at how she was being treated now that she was uh, uh, diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And that there was virtually no 
no concern for her personally, but for the tumor. Everything right. was, you know, against the tumor, and that the prognosis is very poor, and you know, you're gonna die in six months. If we give yeah. you chemo, you're gonna die in a year. And and she just couldn't believe it. And she said, you know, and I, I'm at fault because in, in cardiology, many times we do the same thing right. and I'm feeling it. So I just I just um, hope that uh, things start to change. Um, there's no question that more and more doctors are, are being aware of this and they're trying. Some institutions even are saying, you know, that they're going into meditation, mm -hmm. and other things, but it's more mostly for marketing uh, purposes right. because right. we're losing so some patients to it's us. It's so funny, being driven by the consumer, right? The consumer yeah. knows that they want more and they're demanding more, but the medical education and the medical system really doesn't know how to deliver it. It's not set up to deliver it, you know? Not so, at all. Um, in, in, in fact, it's the other way around. It, it, you are, as a doctor, uh, taught to, to distance yourself emotionally from the yeah. patients so that you can write decisions, give them more radiation, things that you yourself wouldn't take. Absolutely. So, so this is something that we want to change. Yeah, absolutely. And what? Where are we going wrong? Is it? Is it just the emphasis on chemotherapy and radiation? What are some of the alternative treatments that you've seen work? as you work with different types of cancers, you know, where, how does somebody navigate this? That is, that is the most challenging thing for patients that I see that come through my practice is that they really don't know who to trust, where to begin, what to do first, what to do second. How do you tackle? And kind of what I've done is said, hey, a cancer patient comes into my clinic. They're usually in one of three phases. They're either newly diagnosed, they're in the middle of the battle and things aren't working, or they're on the other side of it and they're educated in terms of like, I need to do more from a prevention standpoint so this never happens again. How do you walk cancer patient through the journey? And when you're combining all these different things, emotions and stress and you know uh, energy and then the alternative treatments, what's your style? Do you have sort of a technique that you go about? Uh, first, let me address your first question. I thought I think it was very, very interesting. Where did we go wrong? And I think that the, the, the error is more philosophical than technical. What I mean by this, you know, the best brains in America and in the world are looking into research. Mm -hmm. uh, so th that's not the problem. Funding, uh, especially in America and in Europe, there's no problem with, with funding. Uh, so where did we go wrong? And I say philosophically because in cancer, what we're doing is we are fighting against the tumor. And I think that's where we go wrong. Mm -hmm. Everything is aimed at the tumor mm -hmm. and the patient virtually is besides the point. And right. uh, so, you know, because we hear that we're making progress, but the progress is measured right. to, to, uh, by what happens to the tumor. So if we develop a, a therapy that diminishes the type, the size of the tumor, of course it's being effective. But even if the patient dies, it goes into the books as a success. Mm. And, and so that's where we went wrong. So here, philosophically, we are aiming all of our efforts at the patient. And if, if, uh, if we're able to get rid of the tumor, well, praise God for that, but that's not our aim. Our aim is to provide quality and longevity, quality of life and longevity to our patients. And a lot of times this happens 
without getting rid of the tumor. Mm. Because yeah. if you are able to convert this disease from a deadly terminal illness into a chronic ailment, and we have patients that were told that they were going to die in six months and they're alive 20 years later, but we take an x-ray and the tumor's still there, but the patient couldn't care less. You see, we, when, when, when the aim is quality of life and longevity, you don't have to get, not all the time, you have to get rid of the, of the tumor. So that's, I think that's where we went wrong. Oh, wow. And, and, and what we're doing here is very different. The other is that we are, you know, technically, we, I say the, 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 the oncological community, we are, we are also very technically vested. So uh, in the last 12, 15 years, no more chemotherapy has been developed. I think chemotherapy is going to be a thing of the past in the next 10 years. Why? Because now that we are able to profile the tumor genetically, mm -hmm. we are developing therapies, targeted therapies, to address those genetic changes and what they promote in order to benefit the tumor. Mm. And so uh, a targeted therapy will either downregulate or upregulate a protein that the tumor needs or, or does not need. And they're quite effective. But unfortunately, the amount of mutations is enormous. For instance, the, the average mutation uh, that a breast cancer patient has is about 75. Mm -hmm. And we only have about 30 uh, or so targeted therapies. That's why they're not effective now. Wow. In order for it to be completely effective, we could cure cancer now if we had all 70 targeted therapies. Well, so many, so many patients come in and, and they give me this alphabet soup, right? That like, I have this gene mutation, that gene mutation, therefore I'm doing yeah. this, therefore I'm doing that. Exactly. Is that, what's your opinion on all of that? Well, unless we, until we have all of the targeted therapies for all of the genes, but for instance, colon cancer patients have 120 to 130 mutations. Hmm. Okay, so let's, let's just imagine and dream that in the next, 10 years, we will have them. Each one of those therapies right now, the cost is about $10,000 per month. Wow. So if you have 100 mutations, your cost would be a million dollars a month. So it's, it's a daunting problem, first technically to, to, to develop them and then to pay for them. Right. So we treat cancer in a very different way. Cancer is also a metabolic disease. Yes. Because all of these changes promote metabolic changes. Mm -hmm. And the common denominating factors are a few, at most 10. What do I mean by this? Well, cancer promotes changes so that uh, 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 tumor cells need a lot of sugar in order to survive. Mm -hmm. That's a metabolic impact from all of those mutations. So right. whether it's cancer of the breast, of the pancreas, of the colon, or the whatever, they all need a lot of sugar. So logic would say that I would tell my patients not to consume sugar. Right. Right. And, and, and so these common denominating factors are well known. Those are the ones that we're exploiting. So and you we are having a lot of success. So moving people off sugar is probably one very important thing. Where else are you seeing metabolic success that maintains, maybe maintains a tumor, but takes away its uh, aggressiveness or disease? Exactly. It's, deadly, it's deadliness. Yeah. Um, 
The, another one is all tumors live in a very oxygen-poor environment. So one of the therapies is to provide a lot of oxygen so that the tumor tissues become oxygenated. Uh, the pH of the tumor can also be manipulated. Uh, the, um, uh, the oxidative stress, tumors live like oxidation, whereas normal cells don't like that. But it's very difficult to antioxidate them. So you oxidate them more and kill them. For instance, all radiation therapy kills malignant cells through oxidation. But we can use other means of oxidation or oxidative uh, stress to kill the tumor cells, like hyperthermia, uh, ozone therapy, uh, vitamin C in very high dosages is an oxidative therapy without any side effects. Uh, uh, and and um, so combining all of these things uh, have proven to be very effective. And that's why our statistics are so much better than virtually any other oncological center in the world. So and that's, then when, and that's uh, irrespective of any, it doesn't matter the type of cancer, but these are general principles that apply. So managing sugar and sugar intake because cancer feeds off sugar, managing, managing oxidative stress through things like, uh, you said, what did you say again? Not hyperbaric. Hypothermia, which is heating the body to uh, temperatures of very high fever. Okay. Because tumors cannot handle heat while our normal cells can handle quite a bit of it, heat in comparison uh, to malignant cells. And then high-dose vitamin C. High-dose vitamin C. Laetrile is another yeah. natural anti-tumor uh, 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 element that we've been using you know, for 50 years uh, without any side effects, really. Uh, and people are afraid of it because the way that uh, vitamin B17 or lateral kills cancer is through uh, cyanide poisoning. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh my God, cyanide, this must be, you know, very, very, very uh, dangerous. No, I don't know if you knew this, but all of us, we need to consume little bits of uh, uh, cyanide on a daily basis because cyanide, is the raw material to produce cyanocobalamin, which is vitamin B12. <laughs> and so without a little bit of cyanide, we would die. Uh, and that's why about 1,200 foods that we consume constantly have a little bit of cyanide. Berries have cyanide, especially strawberries. So it's just that the information, the way it's given to people, it's in a very negative way. Hi there, superstars. You know how hard it is to get all those superfoods in our diets on any given day. Well, I've got the solution. I just got introduced to this great new brand. It does the work for us. Organifi has all these great superfoods that we can carry with us on the go, put it in our purse, put it in our car so that we don't forget. How many times have you made a green juice and you've left it in your refrigerator or you just haven't had the time to make it and it's a distant memory? Well, this takes the work out of it. You can stick this and mix it into something that you're drinking. Their green juice has great ingredients like moringa, which is known as a miraculous plant, helps with hormone balance, helps with mood and memory. It has ashwagandha, which is the master adrenal adaptogen, really helping us with stress and cortisol balance. It also has chlorella, which is a great detoxer, and spirulina as well, which we know helps the liver and boost our antioxidants. Give it a try. I love it. You can, for a limited time, go to Organifi.com backslash Dr. Taz and get 15% off any of their products.
you do chemotherapies and radiation side by side with some of the treatments that you've just mentioned? Yes, uh, we have everything available because everything has a place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one time somebody asked me, well, what is it? Are you an alternative doctor? Or, or, or do you right. want to practice uh, uh, conventional medicine? And I said, I just want to practice good medicine. Right. And, and conventional people don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. And alternative doctors don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. I'm going to put them both together. Yeah. So uh, when do I use chemotherapy or surgery or radiation? Well, we know that natural therapies are going to take a long time to destroy a tumor. They're very effective. Mm -hmm. They can, they can uh, help a patient survive. But let's say that I have a patient that has a tumor in the main bronchi and can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the natural therapies are going to take weeks or months. The patient's going to die before that. So I give that patient immediately radiation therapy, which I know that it's not going to resolve the problem long term, but, but it's going to reduce the tumor very fast. I'm going to have a breathing patient. And then I can give alternative therapies for the long haul. Right. Uh, so the same with chemotherapy. That's, so, so we have everything available uh, because uh, it can help the patients. But we, only, we use all of our therapies based on two principles. First principle is what Hippocrates said. First, do no harm. Yeah. Translation to us is don't do anything that is going to deteriorate the quality of life of a patient. Mm. Chemotherapy for a long period of time. It's going to be devastating. Right. And the second principle is what Jesus said, love your neighbor. You know, we say love your patient as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. Translation. Would you give this therapy that you're proposing this person to yourself if you were in the same condition? If I wouldn't take it myself or give it to my mother. Don't prescribe I'm, it. I'm not going to give it to the patient. Right. So with those two principles in mind, we design the therapy for our patients. Wow. And, and, and I think that makes a big, big difference. In, in, in Absolutely. Health. And I, I wish, and so many people are desperate for this, right? They come to me, but I'm not an oncologist, right? But they want a plan to merge together, you know, a chemotherapy, radiation, surgical plan with an alternative plan. So we yes. try to guide them through that for sure. But the beauty of having the oncology experience is, is you can mesh it, you know, together and kind of guide that patient through it step by step. Let's Correct. talk about the other type of patient that walks through the door, the one that's already had cancer, has had chemotherapy, has had radiation. How do they, what's your advice to them to heal? And here's my pet peeve. Uh, patient will get cancer. I had a patient like this yesterday, had cancer 20 years ago. There's no real effort to understand what was driving that cancer, right? Like what right. you were saying, take the tumor out, take the cancer out, take this out, take that out, but no, nothing to understand like the physiology behind it. And so then there are recurrences. So my whole theory about recurrences are that we never, we never put a stop on the drivers to begin with. Correct. So for that patient that's had cancer, has gone through chemo, has gone through radiation, has seen the best doctors in the country or maybe even around the world, and now is on a prevention plan, what's your advice to them? That's where we, where we really shine. Um, there is no way that anybody can develop cancer when the immune system is up to par. So we'll, what I mean by this, we all know that little old lady that smoked all her life ate junk all her life, she's 97 and still smoking, right? 
the only the, the only way to explain why she didn't develop cancer is because her immune system is just amazing. Uh, and then we all know also or heard of the uh, health knot that drops dead at 40. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that person probably would have died at 25 had he or she not taken so good care of, of themselves. So about 60 to 70% of our efforts are to su sustain the immune system and to regenerate the immune system. And uh, somebody that, that had, uh, you know, effective chemotherapy or, or radiation or both has left a patient without cancer, but with a very damaged immune yeah. system. So in order to consolidate and reduce the risk of recurrence, we have a program to repair the damages of the immune system caused by chemo and radiation. And that is what is going to prevent the cancer from coming. Yes. Not more chemo. You know, you say, oh, now, you know, the, 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 the tumor is gone. Now you have to take chemo for the rest of your life. You know, it's right. great. So how, how does that happen? I'm fascinated by the immune system. I think that's the root of all of it. That's where we hold trauma. That's where we hold everything. How do you reboot an immune system that's gone haywire. What is your what are your fundamentals? I know it's not that simple, but what are your sort of fundamentals? Of I'll give you you know the, the three levels of, of things that we do. The most impacting would be what are, what is called and it's well known in the literature the dendritic cell vaccine. Mm. What is this? Dendritic cells are the cells that keep all the information of whatever happened to you so that it can react if it uh, your immune system can react quickly if it happens again. Unfortunately, cancer, you know, grows so slowly at the beginning and it produces certain changes and mutations that actually veil the immune system from them. So the immune system really doesn't see them. Mm -hmm. So the dendritic cell vaccine is that we expose the dendritic cells to the specific antigens of the tumor in the laboratory. And then we give them back to the patient. And this way, the, the immune system can attack the tumor directly. So it's like creating an anti-tumor task force within your immune system. It's like an anti-tumor vaccine. Exactly. That's what it is. Huh. And it's very why are, we not, why are we not doing this everywhere? Well, uh, I don't know, because it, it was developed in America. It, they, uh, the two groups that worked on it, were uh, uh, awarded Nobel prizes for wow. their <laughs> for their discovery, and uh, they're doing clinical trials in America. But it's you know it's crazy in America. In order for the FDA for and in the world to give you uh, permission to use it on patients, you have to prove safety, safety and uh, efficacy. Right. To prove to to uh, uh, um, prove safety is very complicated and expensive right. procedure right. that takes years. Now, the Mexican government said, well, why should anybody have to do safety testing on a product that is autologous? That is, I take blood from you and I only give this vaccine to you. I'm not going to give it to anybody else. So the Mexican government only required for autologous vaccines. Mm -hmm. Uh, efficacy. 
Gotcha. And that's why in Mexico we can do it, and you yeah. cannot do it in the states. Wow, it's crazy! So dendritic cells. What else? Maybe give us. But maybe. that's that's you know a very powerful um, uh, uh, type of treatment that works uh, sometimes in the short time, sometimes in the long term. Secondly, um, I think that diet nutrition plays a tremendous role in how your immune system works. Yeah. And the third one, and it's amazing that people don't want to use it. It's very well known. It's very well established that the most potent immune stimulating agents are completely free. Meditation, laughter, mm -hmm. music, being content. Mm -hmm. and, and we spend a lot of time with our patients letting them know how they can work for their immune system on a constant basis. Wow. And when the patient gets this, those are the patients that, are, that, that have the best chance of surviving cancer. Wow. And so this is what we do for, for our patients on the immune side. And, and again, we spend most, most of our therapy is on for, for the immune system. We work more for the patient than against the tumor. You know, many people ask me about diet for cancer when they're fighting cancer, when they're post-cancer. There's been some studies on the keto diet for cancer yeah. because of the insulin suppression and the blood glucose control, plant-based diet, anti-inflammatory diet. What do you tell patients when it comes to diet and cancer? There's there's so so many papers published and there's so much information that it can be confusing. Yes. And the the best diets sometimes are completely impractical. That is, you know, if you give up, I don't know if you ever heard of the Gerson diet. For yes, it's I was just complicated. Yes. It's very effective. It's so it's complicated yeah. that when a patient does it, most of the patients after about three months said, if, if this is what I have to do, I'd rather die. Well, then that's not the diet for you. The ketogenic diet has probably the most, um, the most uh, scientific power behind it. Mm -hmm. It's so difficult to do because people think of the keto diet as a diet to lose weight. Right. Nothing to do with it. The, the true keto diet for, for cancer patients is no protein, zero protein, mm -hmm. zero carbs. There's not one vegetable, nothing. Wow. Only fat. Wow. That is the true keto diet for which there has been publications, especially for brain cancer, with excellent results, huh. but it's almost impossible to do. We did a, a clinical trial here with it, yeah. and uh, we virtually some of the patients we virtually had to uh, 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 sedate because they were going crazy. Wow. Eating only fat for a long time is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So we have worked on our diet for a long, long time, and the most practical diet is a quasi-vegan diet, low glycemic. Mm. And we give some breaks to the patients because there are some patients that, you know, are, are kind of square mm -hmm. and say, well, if, if only vegetables is what I have to eat and they're happy with it. Most patients will not tolerate it for a long time. Right. So we give them breaks with some protein. Uh, we have uh, two chefs working full time mm -hmm. and, and we have made our diet very interesting, very palatable. To the point that patients, most patients really love it. It is not completely uh, 
kosher as far as no sugar, absolutely no right. sugar, and absolutely uh, no protein. Because insulin and insulin like growth factors are the are are the two hormone hormones that tumors love. Right. So insulin you you bring down by not consuming sugar, and insulin like growth factor too by not eating protein. That's why the best diet is vegan, low glycemic. Ah, so the patients can do this. Is it worth checking those markers like insulin? Yes, and now you can find them on the internet. Anything that is below 40% glycemic index is acceptable. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, and so that's the best. And, and, and hundreds of publications will support that. Gotcha. Now, a lot of people say, well, is that what everybody should eat? No. This is a cancer patient diet. Mm-hmm. It, what I recommend for, for people that do not have cancer is to eat according to design. Yeah. And so a lot of people, well, what, that, what does that mean? Well, just look at your teeth. We have 32 teeth and only four are canine. That's about 11%. So 11% of our, of our intake, food intake, should come from animals. Mm-hmm. Only 11%. So your, your place should be with a lot of vegetables and very little animal protein. Mm. And you will do fine. There are many studies that show that people that consume that kind of diet, like the Mediterranean diet, um, will reduce the risk of developing cancer by 50%. Wow. And the other thing is exercise. Probably more powerful than diet. The more exercise you do, the less possibility of of developing cancer. And and so if you do four hours of strenuous exercise a week, Mm -hmm. that will lower by 50% the chance of you develop any type of cancer. Wow. So if you have a good diet and do a little bit of exercise, because four hours a week is not that much. And walking is sufficient. These are all manageable lifestyle changes for folks yes. right so i yes. mean that's that's the message of hope that putting some of these pieces together and not getting i feel like cancer patients often get very bogged down with the research and the minutia and everything they see out there and get super confused very easily but i love the simplicity of you have cancer this is the diet low glycemic primarily vegan breaks here and there because you're trying mm-hmm. to manage insulin and the blood sugar index primarily and for the rest of the time kind of that flexitarian partial partial protein type diet. So, you know, all of that is great. And I know we're getting close to time here, but I do want to address the stage four cancer patient, right? Like that's the patient that's heard the word. Actually, we live, my mother-in-law has stage four peritoneal cancer and have watched her go through round and round of chemo and it's been hard on her, right? But um, what would you tell the stage four patient? when it comes to their cancer and their- Most of our patients come in that stage. And most of our patients come here when they've been sent home to die because there's nothing else that can be done. Mm. And in spite of that, our statistics are very good. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I want to tell your audience is that cancer is not a death thing. It can kill you. There's no question about it. It is a difficult disease. I'm not downplaying uh, the fact that cancer is a complicated and devastating disease, but that there's a lot of things that patient can do, and that while there's hope, there's life. There's nothing out there that says that everybody that that has cancer has to die. 
the same that it doesn't it doesn't ensure you that if you don't have cancer you're going to survive right. i can go out the, the the street and be run over right. by a right. uh, so this thing of doctors sentencing patients to me is the most yes. criminal thing that medicine does because we are an authority yeah it's like the patient oh my doctor told me at six months that i'm gonna die in six months today i can't let my doctor down mm. and they it's like speaking. Exactly. You know, so. You're declaring something that is very devastating. Yeah. Well, if you can also declare very positive things and change. There, there's nothing more powerful than hope. Yeah, I agree. And that is the message for everybody out there listening and today. That's, and that's it. There is hope. In there. our words, and our minds kind of create our future. So I think even for those of you struggling with cancer, really holding on to that and building a team that believes that and supports you and encourages you around that, I think that's probably more important than all the studies and the genetics and the medications and the chemotherapy than all of that stuff. So yeah, this is this has hopefully touched somebody today. I hope we've reached someone who may be struggling with cancer or has a family member with cancer. I know you guys are going to have more questions. Dr. Contreras, if they want to reach out to you and ask you questions or seek your counsel, what's the best way for them to connect? Our telephone number is 888-500-HOPE. And our website is oasisofhope.com. If you, if you check there, you, we can send you a free book, e-book. It's, I'm, I'm old school. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's an e-book. Uh, we'll, we'll, you, you can download it. It's my latest book. There's a lot of very positive information, very hopeful information of everything that you can do for yourself and fight for your life. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to join us. I have been educated and enlightened. I hope you guys have as well. And for everybody else, thank you for joining this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.